0: Hi, this is Ryan Bloom from Urban Bonfire on today's episode of the Fireside Chat, our season two finale with none other than Matthew Dugali of acclaimed design and architecture firm, Dugali Oberfeld. Now, Matt grew up in Southern California where he still works and practices. His father, an acclaimed architect himself. So Matt really grew up in the industry of design, construction, and building. But over the last 25 years, through his incredible partnership with architect Maurizio Oberfeld, Matt and his team have really focused on the journey with his clients versus focusing on end product. They've gotten fun and creative movie rooms with candy bars, closets with mini bars and sofas. And of course, outdoor spaces that truly are outdoor rooms for entertaining, cooking, and memory making. I think you will find, like I do, this is an incredible episode that is both humble, refreshing, and really invigorating about the power of design, collaboration, and what happens when creative forces join with a common vision. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for thanks for making the time for this. I, I, I can imagine how uh, how busy you are with everything going on in the uh, in the in the build and development world. And I first wanted to share with you a bit of a maybe an anecdote if I could about uh, to Easter weekend. I was up at my lake house with my wife and my kids and on the third floor of my home, we had a speedway into our toilet, which was old rupture, which caused a massive flood through my house. About 70% of the house is done. It's going to be gutted, 100-year-old house, asbestos in the walls, the whole drill. And as I was preparing for today and looking at your work and watching the videos on the Olive Home on the uh, on the Nightingale uh, Home, I was absolutely blown away. And I was saying, you know, if I was working or I could work with uh, a builder developer who really got my design and aesthetic, this would really be it. Um, I'm Thank I'm you. I'm in awe literally in awe of your of your work and and I'm not just saying that to kind of you know uh, blow sunshine up your ass I I mean it very sincerely and and if I can share with you why um, it's obvious that these homes are huge in terms of footage in terms of budget I mean these are incredible opportunities but I don't believe that it takes a great amount of skill to build something that is huge and expensive and ostentatious. That's not necessarily hard to do. What's hard to do is to, in my opinion, make every room feel thoughtful and soulful and and look like it was really done with tremendous thoughtfulness and mindfulness. And every image that I saw um, took me on the journey. And from my reading about your philosophy as a company for you and your partner, it's not necessarily about um, construction, it's about journey. And that is, uh, it's quite a departure from the traditional thinking of GC developer, that building side of, of, of the world. And I wanted to hear a little bit about your story and how that came to be. Was it from the beginning part of your foundation and philosophy as it evolved over time? But. I, I can see it and feel it, even though I'm not standing in one of those homes. And I wanted you to talk to that.
1: First of all, thank you for those compliments. That's very nice and and appreciate that. Um, You know, it started my, our foundation, Mauricio and I met in actually in high school. So my father was, uh, he still is, he's still alive and and very, very well. He was a well-known architect, high-end residential architect. So I really grew up around the best of the best in in that space, and that really defined a lot of my uh, you know my experiences, my foundation, and kind of evolved into you know sparked my interest initially, and then allowed me to understand things that uh, in that space. So you know, it's really it, you know, when you say that those rooms are mindful and that those are, you see the purpose in those rooms, it's really interesting because that's a lot of time planning and effort, right? And that's what a lot of people underestimate is that it doesn't just happen that way. To your point, it, you know, there's a lot of just you know, horrible designs. There's a lot of ostentatious designs that are become you know, really irrelevant very quickly. And you know, it's always our, our, we always strive to be timeless, to be timeless and relevant. And the same time, you know, being on the leading edge and it's a fine line between the leading edge and the bleeding edge, right? So, um, you know, you wanna go right to that point of, of you know, eye popping and new and creative, but yet the reality is that you wanna stop at the point where it becomes bleeding edge. And that's something that, that's, that's very, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, just comes with, with knowledge and experience.
0: It's interesting you talk about rooms and and the way things come together. And I know that again, from my research that you're, if I correct me, if I'm wrong, your education was actually in urban planning.
1: Yes, that's accurate.
0: And then taking something from an urban planning perspective, which is about neighborhoods and towns and cities, and now focusing on homes or buildings, it, it, it has a very interesting dynamic to it, but, Many people don't know, before I founded Urban Bonfire, prior to that, I was part of a North American consulting group called Live, Work, Learn, Play that works specifically on mixed use, new urbanist, downtown cores, college towns, things like that. And I remember, uh, you may know the name, the name uh, Ray Gindros, um, who is up here in Montreal for a design charrette. We had 60 urban planners, clients, designers, architects from around the world. And he pointed out in old Montreal, and I know that you've been here, he pointed out something that even though I've lived here my entire life, I never actually saw, which was in classic French or European architecture, streets were never linear. There was always some form of a curve to it. So you never actually saw where the end was and it continued to draw the person to want to continue exploring and growing. And it, gave me that thought, as you just mentioned, room to room without ever actually being in a place where you start and finish. And it feels like watching your two videos that I watched, and and it feels like whether subliminally or, or by design, you have morphed some of that into your, into your philosophy on, on building and on
1: planning. That's really interesting. I uh, never really thought about that perspective. But yeah, I think that's, that could certainly apply. You know, it, it's interesting that how these spaces relate to each other, right? And it's interesting how uh, they flow together and all of those things are relevant to the success of, of a project. And it's also interesting to see how these, what are now traditional spaces, things that will always exist such as kitchens and bedrooms and so forth and so on how these these certain spaces are becoming repurposed so to speak and and morphing into things that are that, that the that the people are are looking for so i know this is a bit off sequitur to what you're you're talking about here but we're just we're just this kind of bonfire you know talk about totally we we were well, i was giving a tour of a of a project yesterday that we have just recently finished in the hollywood hills and one of the the key components is the closets and the closets are becoming destinations and the closets are becoming something other than they're becoming uh, something other than just storing you know goods and storing clothes the mat the you know the primary uh, bedroom closets are becoming experiential right and they've got now sofas in them, and they become more boutique esque, and they, they become more uh, warm and comfortable, and they've got you know a minibar, and they've got you know these other these other portions, and so there's it's interesting to see how uh, to your point, and I'm trying to tie it back to to your point, which is that one space leads to another, and you walk in, it was walk into the primary bedroom, then walk into the primary bathroom, and then flow into the primary closet, and that becomes. You know, a a you know uh, they relate in that in that way, if that makes any sense.
0: It ma- it makes complete sense, and and it, it leads into two things that I really wanted to talk to you about. One is the the changing consumer or client psychology about what a home is and is not.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, the last eighteen months have have been extremely challenging for all of us and I, I think that
0: I've just started to interrupt you I've just lost your oh, video feed for some reason
1: oh just lost my video feed for some reason yep. can you have Josh yeah. I don't know where can you still hear me
0: I hear you great when we can continue oh. it's 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 perfectly okay but yeah, uh,
1: we've lost it so if you could yeah bring it so I'm sorry, get back to that other question. You were saying.
0: Yeah, really just understanding as you've been doing this for, for you know, a number of years and, and also the fact that you know, you're, you're, you're being around, as you mentioned earlier, your father also in, in architecture. Um, the, I think the, the definition or lack thereof of what a home or what certain rooms are are, are not defined by is a very moving scale. Um, And would love to hear you mention closets as one, you know, the traditional closet is, you know, it's where I hang my clothes and I put my shoes. Now it's, as you just mentioned, completely different. Can you pinpoint or talk about just arbitrarily some of the other areas you've seen dynamic shifts in demand request, things like that?
1: Yeah, it's that. those that's a great question, and that's that's an interesting topic that we we mash mash around here. And it, it's interesting how quickly those things typically trends go very slowly, and and they 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 roll they roll against you know against one idea to the next. The last eighteen months has really transformed and sped up kind of these monumental changes because of the you know because of COVID because of. Um, you know, the isolation that people have experienced. And because of the, uh, you know, amount of time that people are spending in certain areas, working from home has been a huge Mm -hmm. transformation for people. So specifically, uh, you know, home offices, home entertainment, and more specifically, uh, you know, people are looking for ways to stay at home longer. And what we've seen is, you know, the, the home entertainment. It's interesting because you know we can now stream movies. You know, In the US, a lot of movie theater uh, chains are shutting down. Sure. And so the studios are now streaming almost immediately. As soon as a movie is done with production, you're able to purchase it. Mm-hmm. So the experience of, of converting what might be a, a conventional living room, they're converting that into an entertainment room. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking for less formal I think people are looking for more, um, you know, communal gatherings with the family. Um, kitchens are, are, you know, you're, you're seeing a lot of working kitchens and you're seeing a lot of pretty kitchens mm-hmm. and those pretty kitchens are typically more adjacent to, uh, w- there's a place for cooking and there's a place for enjoying, right? And it, so if that makes any sense.
0: Funny you mentioned about the 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 shift in home entertainment and film, and I noted, I believe it's in your your Olive project. I remembered because uh, I looked at it again this morning. There was a a candy and snack sort of bar in yeah. one of the elements, and I and I I actually said my four year old who just loves candy and snacks would have you know jumped at that, but to that point, is that now saying the home is replacing or these rooms are now replacing the movie theater experience where I would go and get my popcorn and my candy and now I'm doing, I'm, I'm able to create a similar experience at a different level of scale.
1: I think that's, I think that's accurate. Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of things being brought into the home that were, you know, you would have to go to a movie theater, for example. You would have to, that's being brought at home. Another thing is, you know, outdoor spaces, you know, you're, you're talking about outdoor kitchens, you're talking about, you know, pools are becoming, uh, you know, with, with adjacent spaces so that people are able to, to enjoy those things, uh, enjoy the outdoor spaces. Another interesting concept is, we're seeing a lot of uh, storage capacity demands for larger cold storage, larger, uh, you know, pantry storage, people assuming that they're going to be staying for longer and people are going to be, you know, entertaining more in smaller groups in their home.
0: Yes. And, and would you say, or I, am not going to put, I would, I, my hypothesis or what I believe is that if you look at the last 10 years, the, the relationship that people have with cooking and home entertaining, and I'm talking about even pre COVID, has completely changed access to ingredients, access to recipes and techniques, where and I often proclaim that it's it's almost cooler to you know have people over and cook than it is to go out. It's more fun. And people now have access to every aspect of what is needed to create that wow factor and cooking is fun. Chefs are rock stars. They weren't 20 years ago. You know, when we were kids, a celebrity chef was basically Julia Child and then Wolfgang Puck sort of came. And now today, it is a genre that is something that is completely mainstream. And I think that has been one of the compelling factors that has changed people's relationships to the definition of what a kitchen actually is in both indoor and outdoor context.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. And it's to your point the you know the way that people are cooking and this is not you know let's keep in mind that this is this is not just for you know mega mansions this is not Mm -hmm. for extreme you know these are this is for all spaces really i mean we're looking at at trends in small spaces we have some involvement in in some some small modular spaces Mm -hmm. and you can be really really effective i mean modern technology has allowed for you know what you can spend, you know fifteen hundred dollars on a on a stove and a oven and stove is actually quite high quality, as you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Being in your space,
0: it it's very true, and and it's getting and you know the the fact that we had this flood has now had me looking at my ground floor, and I'm was telling my wife Sarah, who's who's uh, who's a yoga teacher, um, who's now also, as you said earlier, working from home with her studio uh, closed. Um, looking at our ground floor space and saying, shit, I mean, look at our dining room. It occupies 40-ish percent of our total ground floor square footage and we use it three times a year. This makes apps, it is completely disproportionate. If we're gonna redo this, why don't we merge? Why don't we eliminate the historic or the traditional predefined notion of a dining room and merge it into one? And that seems to be happening more and more
1: hundred percent. I mean, the living room is a perfect example is almost an antiquated space. The living room is, is going away as we knew it. Right. I mean, the living room is a place that people would, it would, you know, set up, set up their, you know, the, the holiday events, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when you only use the Dining room is also very similar to that. Dining rooms have, have, they used to be a separate isolated space that would actually aggregate and, and fragment a floor plan. And to your point at your house, now they're becoming integrated into the family space you've got you know combination of rooms you've got more zones as opposed to specific rooms and that that's becoming you know you've got in ups if you have a two-story and you've got you know the the primary bedroom and the secondary bedrooms or so the guest bedrooms you, you're seeing uh you know upstairs family rooms you're seeing upstairs uh, you know upstairs uh you know places that people aggregate you know where you we didn't have that it used to be just pure function so it's interesting
0: and in the same way that we are seeing that um that blurring of def- definition on rooms it, it leads me to something that i wanted to talk to you about which is also a blurring or redefining or or diminishing definition on professionals and i remember Many, many years ago, I, I renovated a, a home that I purchased. And I remembered the frustration of, you know, feeling like in, in our sandbox, there was the architect and there was the interior designer and there was the contractor. And it was like, you know, there was ego, there was this, and everyone has a voice and everyone wants to prove their they, and almost to the detriment in some ways of the of the consumer, which I remember feeling like I wish there was just common and aligned vision here. And obviously, you and, and, and Mauricio, your, your partner, have tremendous aesthetic and experience in design and, and, and architecture, but you are in the role of the builder GC developer. How do you, how do you play in the sandbox and align with architect or interior designer that you may align with philosophically, you may not where, how does that work in today's day and age with a consumer who is far more sophisticated and has a much deeper vo- vocabulary as a result of House and Pinterest and all this access that they have, how has the role changed for you in the last however many years?
1: that's a lot to unpack in that question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it, no, it's a great question. I, I love, I'd love to talk about it. You know, ultimately it comes down to intuitively and, and with research and factually, you know, really doing your due diligence on the team. Right. And we've been involved in many projects that it's just as magical. I mean, everyone plays well in the sandbox, the, the ideas are collaborative and 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 the egos are set down, and it that that creates just a spectacular project, right? And we've also been involved in where you have you know the, the, you've got the, all of those each one of those components. You even have structural engineer. You've got mm-hmm. to call it the engineering professionals. You've got the architect, the designer. You have the builder, right? And then you've got the owner. Those the the the, the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Need, really needs to be fluid between all of those people. And, and it, that often comes from them working together in the past. That mm-hmm. comes from personal relationships. We always say, when I'm advising, we're doing, you know, we do a lot of pre construction services and we'll be involved with, with a team that comes in with, with, a, with an owner's team and we'll help select and, and put all those people in place. And the number one thing we say is look, we want somebody without ego. Right, we're not child. We're not curing childhood cancer here. Right, we're we're creating something spectacular. We're adding to the fabric of this world, of the aesthetic world, the architectural world, the physical world. But we're we're not doing some. Of it. Let's 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 have a team that is stands at, stands down their egos. Right, realizes what the true intent is, is to create something that makes our client, if it's for a client, happy, and somebody who is willing to come to the table. With an open with an open mind, with an open heart, an open skill set, and just mash this thing together what we need. But all it takes is one all it takes is one bad cog in that wheel to absolutely jam the whole process up. And, and to your point, look, ultimately, as as the consumer, as the client, we're all working for you, right? And and ultimately our job is to create a smooth and brilliant process for you. And it's not for our own personal ego sake. And it always amazes me when you we run into a professional who, who is not able to stand down on the ego and it feels like they're building for themselves, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, this is not your house. We're not doing this for you. This is for the client, right? Well,
0: it, it, it often are. I can see it in some ways as, as an orchestra, you can have incredible people in string and percussion and all these different types of things, but without a conductor who in their mind can see or envision what that piece of music is supposed to sound like for the audience, they're very isolated areas. And, and I wanted to talk to you because it brings up something else. The, the, for, again, from what I, uh, in my research, you and your partner having this, uh, if I understand yin yang like relationship between the form function. Part of space and the, the design, the luxurious aspect of said space and how do those two come together and, and when are they at times in opposition, which stirs creative debate or, or, you know, rich discussion.
1: Well, it's interesting in in, in our, our my particular business relationship with my partner who we've been partners for uh, longer than I want to admit, <laughs> but, you know, north, north of 20 years, we definitely have, we definitely, you, you definitely, everyone has their, their strong suits. Right. And that, that is what allows us to, to have such. I mean, we, we've never been in a physical argument in 25 years ever once. So I think that's important and it's very rare. Um, you know, Mo is uh, very, uh, a very, st- he's an architect by trade. Uh, and he was in the architectural, he started, he has an architectural degree. Mm-hmm. I am more on the construction side. I'm more of a nuts and bolts, more of a technical person. So I think that that yin and yang to your point works very well. Um, it poses for for great discussions, great collaborations. I mean, look, we, Truth be told our, our team here at together is amazing I mean we have so many amazing talented you know superintendents project managers you know uh, project engineers and and those you know w- we tend to manage by consensus right not tyranny meaning that we sit at a table and, and there's so many brilliant people hey what do you think what do you think and then we we mash it together and, and make the decision I really think that that's ultimately the best way for, especially in, in this process to, to have something that's magnificent, and you you know we feel blessed to have so many. That's when I get excited, right? When you're sitting in a room with a bunch of very talented people, and everyone has their specialty, everyone has a passion about something in particular, and letting that come out and letting that that additive, you know, create something. It's that the the end result in that decision is really with the best decision.
0: I, um, I agree with you so much on, on that. It's, it almost comes, it it almost feels some way like, like a parent and, and watching, you know, a child experience or have a success or, or, you know, win something, it feels exponentially better than anything that I could experience myself. I, I, Friday night, I was home late, uh, got an email from from a client of one of our dealer partners in Northern California, who wrote to me directly to tell me what an incredible experience she had had with one of our account managers, who's fairly young, fairly new to the company, spent with us Mm -hmm. about six months, and took the time to write a five-paragraph email talking about She's been in sales. She's worked with companies. She's really tough on people, and how the experience was remarkable. And he was patient and nurturing and helpful. And it was one of the great moments of my, literally, of my career to get that because it just feels, it just feels incredible. It feels like the it's investment. It, it, it changes everything. Yeah.
1: And, and the and really the the i I know that feeling and I agree with you and and the really the gratitude for that to the point of the collaborative process that's when the spark goes off right and you're like wow this is you'd love to see somebody who is growing and somebody who's adding and somebody who's able to make the process so much more spectacular and that's great it is I mean you know I that's what I always say to my kids. Like, I, I feel a lot better when you guys win a tournament than anytime I ever won a tournament. You know, I mean, it, I, I love it when you're, when I see somebody go out and, and run and, and, you know, ex, ex, succeed.
0: I want to shift gears and talk about the outdoor space, uh, philosophically and, and in your projects with a little bit more, uh, uh, detail. And I uh, I acknowledge that you know, being in, in greater LA or Southern California affords a level of outdoor use that is not common in most other uh, geographic areas in, in North America or otherwise. But I still believe that there has been a, 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 a shift in people's relationship to the outdoors, how much they're willing to invest in it, design with it, use it. And I think that has to do with a lot of features and factors. One are, you know, uh, improvements in technology and building material for outdoor products. I mean, 10 years ago, there wasn't a flat screen that would emerge from, you know, the side of a wall, but I want to speak with, with, you know, having done this for as long as you have, can you see or track or note differences in, the your clients' psychology around the outdoor space and outdoor rooms now versus where it might have been at the beginning of your of your career.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question. Great concept. It definitely have we've seen a, a change. It definitely be you know. I remember, you know, 20 years ago, it was essentially a gunite pool, which was a square that had some patio space around it, and you'd had, you would had some chairs around it, right? And maybe we had a, a fountain that was associated with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, technology has a lot to do with it, right? I mean, just something as simple as outdoor heaters. I mean, you know, having the ability for, for radiant heaters, and, and in the shoulder seasons here, I mean, it doesn't ever get cold, but it certainly allows people to live outdoors and eat outdoors and, and, you know, sit outside when it's in the winter time, you know, so things like heaters, things like the size of heaters, things like, um, you know, all of your products that you, you know, your amazing products you've got as far as, um, you know, the outdoor kitchens and the outdoor barbecues. And it, you know, used to have a barbecue, which is a conventional barbecue. And it was, now, now, you've got the, it, it, essentially, it's a complete outdoor kitchen, right? Um, things specifically that are different, you know, the design of pools is very interesting to me. You know, there's a lot of, uh, bo- you know, sections within pools. It used to be that you had a diving board at the ones in, it was deep, and then it was shallow. Now you've got, you know, negative edge, and this, the, those, you know, a lot of these pools, will relate to the landscape or the, you know, the, the sight line or the view it's with a negative edge. And oftentimes we're seeing a blending between natural non-chlorinated. So you, we've got a, you know, projects where you've got, you know, living gardens or trees within, and you've got Baja shells, which is a a shelf for, for laying out in a very small amount of water for children to play in, you know, all of these, these types of designs are being integrated in, in, in the outdoors, and it's all with the purpose of drawing and enjoying the outdoor space. And we're seeing, you know, we, we, have, we build in other markets in, in, you know, less temperate climates. There's ways that those, you know, with retractable doors, right? So you're, you're creating a lot of, a big trend of spaces that are in the summertime can be opened, the wintertime they can be retracted, you know and they you've got outdoor heaters they're not conditioned in conventional space with forced air but they've got outdoor heaters that you can have in there so yes i think if that answers your question there's 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 quite a bit of movement towards enjoying and spending more time outdoors
0: it it really it does and and those are really important points because i i think for a very long time even if it wasn't spoken the outdoor space was and, and I will, I will uh, acknowledge, not necessarily in, in Los Angeles or not necessarily in the scale of projects that I've looked at and the types of things that you work on, but in the average person's home, who even if they were building from scratch and applying tremendous investment and in design and, and, and you know, down to, the, to the, the choice of materials, for a really long time, the outdoors was the afterthought. It was the phase two. There was no discussion on connectivity between indoor and outdoor. And that is really changing where it's not space, it's now a room or it's a collection of rooms and it's being treated as such. Um, I agree. And I, I think it's a great, I think it's a really important thing. And I also, I noted from looking at your projects and also reading about your design philosophies, how important views light are to your philosophical um, definition of, of a home and that's, you know, it, it's, it's an experience, it's a journey, it's not just a building. Um, and that connects the indoor and outdoor. And, and I'd love to hear that. Just looking at the picture behind you, I mean, it's hard to actually tell what's indoor and what's outdoor. It seems like it is seamlessly integrated
1: well that's 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 an interesting point you know technology has really allowed that that this topic to flourish and to become to become uh the indoor outdoor become more seamless just for example windows and doors like right, glazing components this we we weren't able to get a structural piece of glass we're now able to get a structural piece of glass that's 18 feet by you know four by 18 right that that comes in a standard that's that's kiln here in the U.S. or or kiln in Canada or or it you know whatever wherever it is and shipped. So you know the the structural openings, the engineering of of structural steel and the you know the the components have become thinner, which is allows the glazing and the openings to become wider. The glass the engineering of glass really is it's structural glass so all you're doing is is guide rails. so you've got very minimal invasion into the sight line so mm-hmm. it's essentially indoor outdoor spaces um, the you know the tracking systems alone the automation of doors and windows and we just finished a project in the hollywood hills where you have just spectacular i mean unbelievable you know views and it's essentially like being in a fishbowl, right? And it's, you've got your ta- it's allowed to take the wind load. It's allowed to take the shear load. It's allowed to take all of those things that we have in California, the earthquakes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it really has changed. And that's why I think we're seeing a, a, a massive shift in Los Angeles and in other, you know, surrounding areas that we work in, you know, Orange County, uh, you know, San Diego, all of those areas in Southern California are, are really shifting towards contemporary or traditional, right? And you know that that was always fascinating to us as to why California in particular, aside from very small, very, you know, you know, we got you know 50s postmodern, you've got you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that was obviously, you know, the a, a small piece of the market. But now contemporaries becoming a, a in the mainstream, right? And we're seeing fewer and fewer traditional homes. And even the traditional homes are traditional, right? Or excuse me, transitional. So they might look and feel traditional by massing to the exterior elevation, but you're seeing a lot of contemporary and transitional elements, larger windows, um, you know, sleeker lines, more minimalistic on the interiors.
0: And... With all of these shifts, as you just mentioned, into more contemporary, and it makes sense, right? Because, you know, as you are, or as companies and, and firms are uh, expanding the use of materials and technology, that typically is going to lend to more contemporary aesthetic versus uh, older and more traditional. But from someone who needs to, at the same time, have a an aesthetic or 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 a design cohesion on the project, and for someone who's been at this for, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, twenty plus years, uh, and has worked on you know large numbers of of projects, where do you go, or how do you continue to seek inspiration or seek creativity? Is it um, is it proactive? Is it reactive and subliminal in just moments and places? How do you continue to stay engaged and passionate and excited about what you're doing?
1: That's a great question. I I love travel. We we our family has you know since a young age traveled quite a bit, and we we you know obviously we haven't been the last year and a half, but mm-hmm. we typically try to get to other countries uh you know we 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 love europe europe we love you know the, the contemporary forms are amazing in europe right you 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 actually think about europe as old world cities but if you really dig deep through the layers there's so many they're, they're transforming those traditional you know thousand year old building to all contemporary on the inside right italy is a perfect example of that um I'm always inspired. I find that research is so much easier today in today's world with technology. Right, you can build a lookbook on. You can go on a wide variety of, of you know social media platforms, build a lookbook, and get so much done in, in, in you know two hours. Whereas ten years ago, you know, you'd, you'd hand you know we'd say to clients, hey, look. Go through your magazines, and right? Cut them out. Cut out, out and... these okay, cut the cut sure. the pictures out. Yeah, of course. And or go so, through these books. We we had a library here you know, of, of books, that we'd say, hey, just come and check them out, and and you know, give us an inspiration, so forth. So I, I and I think that's also part of what's creating such quick and unbelievable advances, I and mean, quite frankly, better products with architects and desi- architects and designers today is that all of these brilliant ideas are shared right? So easily. I mean, in a matter of you're, you're across the world and, and you can come in and really get a true dive and feel into our product taste and, and what's going on. And that really goes for, for anything, right? And, you know, every, every brilliant idea is nothing more than a, a, an extrapolation or a modification of a past, you know, a prior idea, right? I mean, there is no such thing as an original idea, right? I mean, it's done in some form other than the, in, in some forms in the past, it's a, it's really a, might be a reinvention of it. It might be a recalibration of it, but it, it ultimately is taken from, you know, a, you know a prior idea, right? And prior or a concept, pro, or prior, a prior
0: feeling or emotional connection to something and wanting to personify that in some way.
1: Correct. And so I think, I think it's, you know, uh, I, I love to travel. Um, I, I'm inspired by, I'm inspired by quality work and at every opportunity that I get, every invitation, I, I go see, tour, touch, feel any of any projects that I, that I have, that I like. I, it always amazes me when, when people, competitors, uh, you know, neighbors don't want to share what, what their creations and their work is. You know, I, every once in a while, I get, you know, you know I will call somebody that I respect that as a competitor and say, you know, Joe Blow, I'd love to, love saw your project, watch it go up. You know, I'm enamored by it. It looks fantastic. I'd love to come see it. The answer is no. Why would I No, we don't want you, you know, taking these. I, and it just fascinates me. Right. And and we're the, we're the exact opposite. Please come let's share. Let's talk about it. Let's work through this. I would love to share anything. I'm happy to share any of the resources with you.
0: I think that is a philosophical Philosophically, that just is someone or a firm that emotes a level of, of confidence um, that, yes, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I, I feel very, very similarly. Um, I think it's really important. I really do. I think that, uh, as you said, what we're really doing in, in the design and technology world is we're layering you know, something we can make better, smarter, faster, more personal, and that's really what we're ultimately doing.
1: Yeah. Can you is my feed good now? No, can you you, s- you
0: went you went, uh, you went, went uh, dark again.
1: I went dark again. Sorry. It's all right. Oh, the we, our internet keeps having some issues. Ah, oh, there we it's go. There,
0: now you're back. That's cool.
1: I was better looking in the other. I was better looking in the other. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: I um, I, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation and I am uh, I'm enamored by your work. It, you know, it, it really is looking at the type of spaces and and the thoughtfulness of the rooms. And you know, even if I could extract three or four of them and amalgamate them into my 1,800 square feet, it's it's philosophically and aesthetic wise it, it, it's, it almost is like there's been a subliminal extraction of what I would envision as the journey of the the four walls that I consider my home. I'm uh, I'm really I'm incredibly uh, respectful and uh, enamored. I, I think it's it's
1: gorgeous. Well, well, thank you. And coming from somebody like yourself, that means a lot, and I really appreciate wow. that. So when you when you get to when you get over here to Los Angeles, please reach out. Love to. uh, I will. I would
0: absolutely love to get a tour of uh, any of your projects. And if for and I'm sure I'll be in LA before you're in Montreal, but uh, if the, uh, if that, uh, uh, if travel gets you to Montreal, whether it's on business or with your family, it would be my absolute honor to give you a bit of a tour of old Montreal and some of our uh, incredible architecture and restaurants. It would be, uh, it would be my great, my great pleasure to do that.
1: Thank you very much. I might take. Enjoyed. You. The, I
0: enjoyed our. I enjoyed the time. Thank you for. Uh, thanks for investing the time. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. Be well. Talk to take you care. soon. You got it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fireside Chat with Matt Dugali of Dugali Oberfeld. I think you'll agree he kind of breaks the mold of the term builder. There's creativity, there's fun, it's different. It really is, as he says, all about the journey. And there is a playful, fun, youthfulness to his approach to things. Certainly the kind of builder I would want to talk to if I was building or envisioning the house of my dreams. I want to thank our incredible audience who's joined us for this amazing season on the Fireside Chat. We've had the privilege of speaking to some of North America's most esteemed architects, builders, designers, landscape firms, and experiential retailers. Get ready. We're just getting started. Season three is coming up early in 2022 with an entire schedule of new incredible guests talking all about the outdoors, creativity, and the inspiration around living and congregating in outdoor environments. Thanks so much for joining us on the Fireside Chat, and we'll see you soon.